each each of these sessions, we're going to speak to a, a couple of our favourite authors or guests that we've had on the podcast before. And this week we have uh, Tim Levin and Sarah Pimbra. So here they are. Hello. Hi, guys. Hi. Cheers. Uh, Cheers. <laughs> I'm sorry you couldn't get any of your favourite authors. Yeah. <laughs> we settled for you. What, what can I say? <laughs> um, how are you both doing in these mad and crazy times? Yeah, not too bad, actually. I've kind of, I've, I've found my rhythm, which basically involves eating. Just basically eating. That's what I do now. That's my, you know, I haven't got time to write. I'm just eating. Yeah, I'm um, pretty sure that, 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 that was the reason why they said not to buy 12 items of everything in the supermarket, because they knew everybody would just eat it all straight away and become fat as hell and so yeah. Eat it in the first week and go back the week after. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> crates of uh, beer and, uh, yeah, I'm I'm okay. My my uh, bottle recycling box is a bit embarrassing each week. Um, <laughs> I blame it on my kids. My daughter's home from uni and she, she uh, it's me though, to be fair. Uh, and my son's <laughs> 17 and he's just discovered Corona. I don't like it very much, but he bought a crate today, so I'm having one. Yeah. I'm actually drinking less in lockdown because it's literally just me and the dog in the house so I've kind of gone to there's never any nights out so I'm never at someone's house for dinner where you drink you know like quite a lot more and wake up feeling awful so it's literally like one glass a night maybe one less than half a bottle I mean I'm having less days off than I used to have but it's also just become that kind of like oh it's five o'clock glass of wine Mm -hmm. takes me a couple of hours to drink it but it's not you know so actually, in that regard, it's not been too bad. Yeah, but, but I think because I, I think if I lived with somebody else, I'd be smashed from lunchtime, especially in the early, especially in the early weeks when we all thought we were going to die if we brushed past someone. You know? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it is, I think it is amazing how much it always kind of feels like it could be a Friday. It's like it's Tuesday, but it's like, well, it could be, is it Friday? I think it might, it might be Friday. I'll just drink. I'll just have a drink. Especially when the sun's out. And if I go yeah. outside to do yeah. some work, it's the worst thing. At two o'clock in the afternoon, I think, Feels like Saturday. Maybe yeah, I should have a little drink on, on the decking, you know? And then you're like, no, it's literally Monday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm an alcoholic. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know about days. It's my months I'm getting mixed up. I, I, I barely remember what month it is. My wife keeps observing that lockdown started in a different season. And oh, you know, it, it's, what, what year are we going to come out of this? Who knows? Well, March went on forever, didn't it? Like, I, I mean, because I, I got... The last time I was in a room... I mean, I've had a friend in my garden the other day, which was the height of excitement. But <laughs> last time someone was in, I was in a room with someone was the 1st of March. Yeah. I got sick and then lockdown started. And then it was like, oh, but March seemed to go on and mm-hmm. on. May was gone like this, I think. Yeah, yeah. days flip by now, I find. I mean, we, I, I try and get up before the, the kids sort of, they lie in till 10-ish maybe. I, I'm trying to get up about half seven and, do a couple of hours work before they're up because my wife's I'm working from home. by half past five. Yeah, I know you're free. Though. I mean, <laughs> but exactly. now, now I'd be quite happy to go a bit later because everyone's got, you know, we've all got the distancing down pat in the park. <laughs> but of course, now the dog, like five o'clock, he's there going, come on, day, get up, let's go. Oh. So actually, it's quite nice because it's a bit like you, Tim, really, because then I can be working, I can be back and working by seven. Yeah, still got a couple of hours before anybody's at their desk, mm. you know. And then by nine thirty, you think actually I've done quite a lot, and then you can 
do all the other crap you've got to do around the house. And yeah. Well, I, I mean, I suppose one thing that a lot of people have, you know, struggled to adapt to working at home and all of that sort of stuff. But, it, you know, for you guys, I suppose, working at home is is the norm anyway. So, so you that part of the problem didn't you? Tim, to start with, wasn't it a bit of a problem for you because of all your family? Um, they haven't been such a problem. I mean, I, the first few weeks, first two or three weeks, I was pretty discombobulated. It's become my favourite word. And, uh, you know, for like Sarah said, and we all thought we were going to die and everything was uh, <laughs> just a bit odd. And you were waiting. And, you know, those first couple of weeks before lockdown, when, every, when old bumbling Boris was fighting around, wondering about whether he was get a lockdown or shake people's hands and you mean when we all actually probably had it those weeks <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah and then that, around that time there was talk of unis closing and my daughter was in Aberystwyth University University she was um finishing the last year so we were sort of is she going to come home when's she going to come home and, and we were sort of in contact with her you know are you going to come home are you going to stay and she's oh I'm not sure what my friends are doing as soon as we got her home it sort of started to settle a bit, but then there was the schools closing and then lockdown and uncertainty and, and then a thousand people a day dying and all that. So it, I was a bit of a mess, not a mess, but yeah, I heard it said, I mean, I don't, I'm generally fairly laid back most of the time in the bill. Yeah, whatever. But I've heard it said that people who suffer from anxiety through their lives are now quite laid back because they're saying, mm-hmm. I told you so. I've been, <laughs> it's all going to hit the fan. And they're all training for whole life at this moment. Yeah. yeah. People who are sort of, who tend to go through life less anxious are, are sort of suffering a bit. And I'm, I had a bit of a bad day today, really, just about, you know, you can't avoid what's going on in America at the moment. And it, it just feels like the end of days. It's, you know, what the hell else can go wrong that would surprise us? Very little, to be honest. Just don't, don't. We've got don't, 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 as well, don't. you know? I know. Well, I saw there was a, someone sent around a story saying that they'd found a cave. They'd opened a cave that had been closed for two million years or something, and found thirty-three creatures alive in it. And someone had posted, "Just close the cave immediately. This isn't the year for this." <laughs> About fifteen people sent me that because I wrote the silence, which started. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think so, the first few weeks were very. Um... I mean, I, cause, because I am a natural worrier, but I'm also a control freak. So like Tim, I had some problems because I wasn't in control of it. You know, I bought everybody gloves. You know, everybody I know, I had gloves on their doorstep because I was so prepared. And, but, and I remember worrying about this in January. Like when I remember being on holiday in like the first week of January and reading tiny news item and thinking, that's come in here. And I'd be talking, my friend of mine's a biologist and I'd say to her, I'm worried about this China thing. We should, you know, like we should be thinking about this. And she was like, don't be silly. It's not coming here. Mm-hmm. And now I'm like, oh, yeah, great. You know, listen to Sarah, the worrier. But I think I think when it, I was kind of worrying and then I had a moment of relief when we actually got some cases, weirdly, because it was like I was every day waiting. For, mm-hmm. To, mm-hmm. And, but then like Tim, I think the first I mean, there was a lot of Netflix and I was just sitting on the sofa thinking, you know, like, and just watching, I'm watching old things again. Like, I went through a real old black and white, it was like comfort viewing, I think. And then I sort of, and then I, I don't know about you, Tim, but it was like, you'd have, like, one day where you could do some work, and then maybe two days where you hadn't slept and you felt like shit, and da-da-da, and then one good day, and then it suddenly kind of went two good days. Yeah. 
Uh, and now I've got my work mojo is bang on. I'm like solidly working. I'm really enjoying it. I'm okay now. I'm I'm working. I've I've written most of a novel. Well, I've finished a novel during lockdown and um, in notebooks, curiously enough, which I have yet to transcribe. So that's that's another big thing. But um, so I've done that. I've done a TV pilot, and I'm doing other stuff. So I am I am working. But we do live in a small house with four adults, one bathroom, uh, three that's beds. That's what I meant when I said you had problems because I don't know if you remember, but when we had a Skype early on, mm. you said. I'm not used to working with everybody in the house. And I'm no, going to have to go I mean, to my little bubble in yeah. the garden. And it was a real, you were really quite worried about it, about actually working. I mean, I, I mean, I, when I first got my dog, I yeah. found it difficult to work with him in the house. It took a little while to get used to that. So I don't know how I'd do it with a whole family in the house. It's circulated. I mean, we've got, um, luckily we've got a nice cabin in the garden. So that, during the nice weather that's i've been retreating out there and because i've written the new novel longhand um i can write anywhere so i've written in the cabin i've written sitting in the garden i've written in my office where i am now living room bedroom haven't written in the bath yet although i did take a phone call from my agent in the bath the other day he found hilarious <laughs> uh, yeah <laughs> um but um yeah it, it all uh, you, f- you find the rhythm and you find the sort of I, I, I'm not sure I like the term the new normal because this is far from normal, but you find uh, you find a rhythm. And my kids were, until recently, both still working on school and uni work. Ellie's actually finished, officially finished uni now, so she's sort of, what do I do? Um, and my son is sitting in the garden doing some work now right outside this room. Uh, yeah, oh, it's just odd though, isn't it? You do... Um, I've, I found myself getting into the work zone and enjoying that. If it's something I get plunged, I've written a couple of short stories as well, and I've really got stuck into them. Um, yeah. It is. Um, I think my editor said to me on the phone the other day that she was like, she occasionally still wakes up and think and has a surreal moment of, oh, this really did happen or is happening. Yeah. But I think, I mean, I put an article up that um, a friend of mine sent me actually, I think it might have been the Atlantic or the New York Times, and it was talking about how pandemics end. Mm, yeah, I read that. And yeah. it's saying that, you know, actually there's two endings to a pandemic. There's when the disease actually goes away and yeah. when everyone gets bored of being scared about the disease. Yeah. And actually that's what we're seeing now. Yeah, you know, sure. I yeah, when yeah. I walked Ted this afternoon, I made myself, because I've been doing the park in the morning, but I've been a bit wary of it in the afternoon because a lot of kids are jumping, you know, there's a river and it, there's always so much rubbish in the morning and beer bottles. I thought, oh, I don't really want to go. But I went down and the actual park itself was nice. It was quite sedate and people having picnics. Then I went down this little path and there was just this whole party of people mm-hmm. and kids and clearly no social distancing happening. And I just thought, yeah, we're at that point now where people are, it's almost like people kind of make this mental thing of, oh, yeah, it's only people dying over there in the care homes or in the hospitals. Yeah. Old and fat and a man, you know, like, and then they've kind of, and, and you, it's like people have thought, oh, and, and, and the thing is, I've got it too. There's a bit of me that's like, oh, I just want to go to a restaurant, mm-hmm. you know, and sit across the table from, like, it was supposed to be Crime Fest this weekend. Yeah. You yeah, know, yeah. and I was like, God, I should be. Again, you know Simon Kenn and Kevin Wignall and Tom Wood, and we should be going for our dinner. And you know, my friend Tom has a lot of food allergies, and they always go to this posh restaurant the first night, and we always go to Pizza Express because they're really good with food allergies. Allergies, weirdly, and we go and have a little catch up. Then the next night, big posh dinner, and of course, none of that's happening. None of the festivals are happening. And I was really looking forward to catching up with Tim at 
StokeCon. Because that yeah. was going to be my first horror one for ages. Yeah. And, you know, so all those kind of, as antisocial as I am as a rule, those things, I was, and now I'm kind of like, oh, let's just put 2020 in a box and get on with it. But obviously we can't do that because yeah. loads of people would die. But I, I can see how in the olden days, back in the days of plague and pre-internet and pre-news from around the world in your living room, people just had to get on with it, didn't they? You know, yeah, I mean, just got on yeah. with it. Looking at looking at the lockdown and stuff, it has been obviously a, a difficult time. And there's all this, as you say, there's so much distraction and information. While at the same time, for a lot of people, they're they're you know stuck at home with a lot of time on their hands. It would seem, but just from you know anecdotally and looking on social media and stuff, it seems that a lot of people are having difficulty creating, being able to create. You know. A lot of people at the start, I saw, thought, oh, this is great. I'll write my book now and all this sort of stuff. But it's never happened. And they've just fallen into habits of not doing it. So, yeah. yeah. You, think, you know, whereas you guys say that you, you, you have managed to keep it on, which do you think that's partly because, in a lot of ways, your routine, despite all the changes that we've discussed, hasn't changed as much? No, I think because a lot of writers, like professional writers who've been writing lots of books, I've seen struggle, especially in the early weeks, struggled. Mm -hmm. I've been quite lucky in that the things I've been working on, um, so two TV things, but the EP1 outlines were done before lockdown. So although things have changed, the actual, I didn't have to make it, the the main making up, as it were, Mm -hmm. was done, you know, and then I'm doing a film adaptation, but it's an adaptation of a book, so that the main thinking work is done. But I do think, you know, like, I don't think the brain is at its creative best in that first couple of weeks when you're literally thinking, have I got enough pasta? This is the perfect time to make up a, to plot a thriller. You know, I think you're at your brains in a different mode. And, that, and I think people have, have got into it, but I think that whole, this is the perfect time. To, I just wanted to punch everybody who posted that. This is the perfect time to write your book. Oh, cock off. Yeah, you know, yeah, like yeah, it's, not. Yeah. it's a perfect time to worry. And yeah, uh, Tim, what's your thought? Sorry, I just ranted. <laughs> there was um, so Tariq's frozen. Can you hear us, Tariq? Oh, hey, no, yeah. I just fell asleep there. You just set a picture there and just wondered, oh, <laughs> <laughs> I've got an image of myself just stuck in front of the camera, and I'm just I've been downstairs the last few minutes, like all the best bank robbery thrillers, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sure, what happened? So, so creating during lockdown. So uh, there was yeah. an interesting because um, we were weeks behind Italy. There was an interesting thing from uh, a woman in lockdown in Italy. She said, uh, and she's I think she sort of wrote an open letter on social media to to Britain. She said, right, uh, I've got to tell you, you're not going to learn to play the ukulele. <laughs> you're not going to get fit. You're not going to write your first novel. You're going to be angst ridden and stressed and pissed and overweight and putting weight on. And generally, I think she was right. I think people like me and Sarah who write for a living, we're just carrying on working, really, you know, mm-hmm. with a few blips here and there and a few bumps in the road. Um, and also, the, you know, the industry hasn't stopped working. So, you know, TV and film, they've got, there's, you know, everyone is still full on. I mean, I know they're not filming, but they're all full on. You know, so I'm having Skype with people who have just come off a four-hour work meeting on this. So it's not like, it's, you know, like with publishing, it's like, okay, off you go write your book. Whereas with TV, it's like, okay, here's the notes on that episode. Do you want to jump on a call tomorrow? Okay, let's do that. What are we going to do with that? Oh, what about that? But, so you're kind of constantly in this 
you know, and so, so it's a bit, I think it's a bit more helpful to getting going when you've got, and also if you've been paid for something, you've got to do it, haven't you? Yeah, I promised to start my new book yesterday and now I've decided I'm waiting until my new keypad for the iPad turns up. <laughs> <laughs> That actually leads on to on, on to a question. We have, we've had a few questions in from listeners. And one of them is from Lucy who says she'd like to know whether or not you find it easier or harder to find it to find inspiration, you know, while this is all kind of on all kind of happening around us. And are you worried that it's real life at the moment is so mad that it's actually do do people want to read about things that are crazy and manic, or do folk want to read things that are the opposite of what's happening right now? Do folk want to find comfort in more kind of grounded stories right now you think mm. I, it hasn't affected what I'm working on um, it hasn't made me I mean the novel I was writing and finished recently didn't change I don't think because of lockdown and coronavirus I'm not sure whether it's any good it's probably shit but then I think that you know it's like <laughs> not 45 I think and I always think oh that's just terrible so by the time I rewrite it and rework it and um, by the time it comes out, hopefully, this is going to be a distant memory. Yeah, yeah, well, that's it as well. It's not sold. I mean, everything I'm working on is speculative at the moment. I, I, I'm not under under contract. I'm, I'm writing. I wrote the novel on spec. I've got a thriller idea that I'm going to be working on soon on spec, and then two or three TV things I'm working on, which are all one. One is um, I'm not actually working on it, but I'm sort of having a bit of input, and that's that's sold. But other TV stuff I'm working on is all on spec. So. It's not like I'm working because I'm under deadline. I'm working because I want another contract, you know. I think a lot of the things that people are buying now, and, I, you know, you look at the top Amazon movies, the thrillers are still selling. It's, you know, the thrillers, the dark stuff. I mean, the people who like uplifting fiction will go to uplifting fiction for comfort. The people who like a horror novel or a horror film will go to a horror novel or a horror film for comfort. Yeah, it's yeah. what you enjoy. Yeah, so yeah. I think... I'm not sure. And then also there's people who really want to read an end of the world book. I could literally not bother with that right now. I was not one of the people watching, <laughs> you know, in the first week of this, I thought I do not need that. I can live with, you know, my, my imagination is doing all that for me. I don't need to watch contagion, but you know, I think it's, you know, if someone gave me a bunch of, and no offense to people who write romance or very, you know, the kind of very pink cover books, those would not cheer me up in this time. You know, it's a good something I can get lost in. Will so a good thriller, a good sci-fi or a horror novel or whatever. Yeah, I'm yeah. much more likely to enjoy. So it's all personal, isn't it? I think. Yeah, it is. There was uh, there were a lot of people right at the beginning saying there's no way I'd read a pandemic book now, and then loads of people said, "Oh, I'm I'm starting to read The Stand again." And yeah. I, you know, I've been toying with rereading The Stand because I haven't read it in like 15 or 20 years, but it's like five and a half thousand. And you know what, the extended version is no, I mean, I know that that's the King preferred version, but I liked yeah. the original version. Yeah. Like about a thousand pages less, but yeah. you can't put it anywhere now. You can't. And I, I think people are rereading The Stand because although it's a virus novel, it's also comfort reading. It's something most of us read when we were younger and braver. Uh, and, and, and actually and good overcomes evil and all yeah. this stuff. And also, it's, been quite yeah, it has made think i'd be shit in an apocalypse i'd be really crap if i was the last person on earth i'd be really shit all i'd worry about would be losing my dog you wouldn't be the last person on earth you'd be the first zombie basically wouldn't you you'd be (laughs) (laughs) pretty much straight away (laughs) you should be so lucky to be the last person on earth (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, obviously. Contagion, Sarah. That was one of the first films Tracy watched. My wife when when it all, um, you know, oh, well. I, yeah, and it, you know, I, I've seen it before, and 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 I, I didn't watch it with her. I was working, but um, I I popped in now and then, and it, it it was just like watching the news, basically. And we all know the thing about touching your face, and Contagion's full of it, isn't it? And I was like, I do not need to watch a film that literally yeah, tells me I've got no chance because uh, social distancing. But it's funny as well how uh, things that were so normal suddenly, you know, if you're watching a film and it's like a massive crowd scene or people walk into a room and hug and shake hands and stuff, you, it's part of your brain sort of going, oh, what are they doing? Yeah. I walked through the park on the way back from somewhere the other day and there were families were in the park and it wasn't very busy, but I, I was getting quite like a bit weirded out by it and I couldn't figure out what it was and then I, I realised obviously I've literally not no one has been within two metres of me which is why I've given up showering <laughs> for, for that <laughs> but these families they're in, you know they touch someone else or they're close to someone else whereas I'm literally if I see anybody closer than two metres I'm like what are they doing they're not yeah. supposed to be so close so I'm, it's, I, I think it's going to take me a long time before I want to be very social again. And not because I'm scared, but just that I'm just not in the habit of it anymore. I've yeah. Kind of got out of the habit. Setting. I, I, uh, like I said, we've been, we've been supermarket shopping every week since it started. And, and Tracy and I take it in turns. In the first couple of weeks, I went to Morrison's and it was really odd and surreal with the queuing to get in and the distancing, the masks. And, um, and I, it was a really stressful first shop for me going around Morrison's and and also, we're spending like so much money, like 200 quid a week on food and booze is horrific. So I came home and we were unpacking all the food and we got, and we were in the kitchen. My daughter was helping me and I was sort of, you, you were a bit close. I thought, it's my daughter, you know, I live with her, you know, yeah. and even, I, even in that two hour slot, I got into the mindset of you're not supposed to be close to me. Really? Yeah, really just like we were, I went, you know, and I still do it. I still wipe down my shopping. <clears throat> yeah. So it's a habit now, and I think I'm not actually worried about it anymore. But I think if I stop doing it, I'm going to jinx myself. You know that sort of yeah. it's become a yeah. habit. <laughs> so I'm actually like, well, I'm going to, and, and it's actually not even a pain anymore. It's literally just what I do. I yeah. bring it in the house, I wipe it down, I put it away, I wipe the sides down. If I'm not going to touch it for a few days, it just goes in the garage, or as I like to call it, the decontamination chamber. <laughs> <laughs> Everything goes in there for three days and then it gets opened. Yeah. Uh, uh, You just didn't know, did you? So I was like, well, I'm, you know, I live on my own. I don't want to get sick in my house on my own. I'm going to be careful. But although it it hasn't changed what you've written, do you think it will, you know, say this, say they don't come up with a vaccine that gets rid of it or whatever in a year. So that there are, you know, there are certain changes to even not scary changes, but these sorts of changes that go to the supermarket is a different thing. People don't work in the office as much and things like that. Do you think novels and other, or TV and film will become dated if they, if they're talking about the old, the old way of doing things, if you see what I I mean? I think it's actually the reverse. I think people who are putting too much Corona stuff in now will get dated. Because, Because I think actually, it's not, the world is not sustainable like this. You know, it will have to, pubs will open properly and restaurants will open properly. And it'll either be, you can have an instant test on the spot, which I think is what their aim is, that you can test as people go into work or whatever. 
Yeah. And I think, and at the moment, I mean, I don't put cancer in all my books, and cancer kills a lot more people than COVID is killing. Yeah. You know, awful as that sounds. And so I might have the odd antibacterial wipe, but, but in none of my TV things, even ones that I haven't, I had a call with a company called Red the other day and want to come up with a thing for BBC. And, and she said to me, what's your view on including COVID stuff? And I said, well, I'm, I'm, I don't think it's sexy and we want to write a sexy thriller. And she was like, oh, thank God. She said, because we're not interested in people wearing masks and washing their hands. And I thought, well, I don't put people having a shit in my books. <laughs> you know so if the world is if, if we are doing things like washing our hands every 20 minutes i'm not going to be putting that i'm just going to presume people will figure these characters are doing that you yeah. know I'm, i mean i'm hoping i'm right i may be wrong and we've got it but it's going to make for some very boring reading but i wonder i mean i've uh, talked about taking a shit there so <laughs> two thoughts spring instantly to mind one of them is Millennium <laughs> falcon where is the shitter okay <laughs> I, that I also, so I never saw 24, Jack Barrow, 24. He never has. Yeah. No, he I never He never says, can we stop killing people for a minute? Can I, I just... Yeah. That's what the ad, that's the ad breaks. That's what the ad breaks were for. Every 15 <laughs> yeah. minutes he was right in the toilet. So I don't know. what I mean, Tim, you're, what are you going to do? Are you going to factor it in? It hasn't even crossed my mind, to be honest. No. Mind to... Um, I don't. Um, no, I don't think so. It really hasn't. There was a whole thread on Facebook actually with some crime writers and other and horror writers, and some people were saying it's so important we've got to mention it in our fiction. And I was like, listen, if I was a literary writer and I was going to write the great COVID novel, I'd mention it. But yeah. you know, I'm not. I'm a. You know, we're in the entertainment business here, people. I hate to break it to you. You know, like we're not writing. <laughs> books that are going to be remembered for hundreds of years we're literally earning money better than the people who are writing the books that are going to be remembered for hundreds of years yeah, so be yeah. true be true i mean i did i did, I did write a short story sorry, uh, sorry terry i did write a short story that um uh featured a guy featured somebody coming out of lockdown uh so i guess so it has filtered into what i do totally i guess they're already announcing books like there's one that was announced called love in lockdown or love under lockdown and i just thought a it felt a little <laughs> bit like you're cashing in on yeah granny's dying clearly not written the book yet or it's going to be a really shit book that was written in like three weeks and I thought, <laughs> you know i'm sure there'll be some books that do it brilliantly that come up with clever but i think when i come out of this i don't want to be revisiting it in my entertainment for a little while oh, and i also think on a more serious note I don't think we'll really understand how we feel about it yet. Mm. You know, like I think it'll take a year or two mm-hmm. before we really feel the impact of. That's going to depend on how fast things change from now on, I think. I just mean the emotional impact. I don't really know how I felt when lockdown happened yet because mm. we're not quite out of it, if you know what I mean. That's what I mean, though. It, it's, if, if we got a long tail now of, you know, supermarkets with screens for the next year or two. Um, like it, you know, if, whether they, they come up with a vaccine or not. And I, I, I seriously doubt they're going to come up with a vaccine that cures it. They, they'll come up with a vaccine like they do for flu that, that lessens the symptoms and makes it. I think not... they'll have a treatment rather than a vaccine. Yeah, exactly. That, yeah, yeah. Like they do for the flu. Um, so I, I think that's going to depend on how long we've still got this. Um, I mean, partly media wise, partly the forefront of the media. Um, there'll yeah. come a time. There'll come a time in a month or two where it's not the headlines every single day and 24 hours a day on 24 hour news, which is I, uh, I'm trying to not to watch so much news because 
it just gets in your head. And it's always the same news. Most days it's the same it's the same news. Where what? is Dominic Cummings? Where is he today? Was he yeah. in Durham? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, we have discovered how to take an eye test, a new, te- a new way to get an eye <laughs> test. Well, well then, if, if we take a step back from, from the future of writing and to, and to look at the writing that you guys are doing right now, I mean, Tim, you've got Eden that's just come out recently, Sarah Dead to Her is out in the States and about and to it, launch in the UK. It's all, the hardback's out in February, in February, in August, but the ebook is coming out on Thursday. Oh, yeah. very exciting news. Yeah. on Thursday. So yeah. you've, you've both got books either about to come out or just come out and... How does that? How does the the lockdown and the, and the COVID situation? How does that change launching a book? Tim right might now? need to get a Well, do you know what? I mean, it's it's something I go up and down on. I mean, this first of all, Eden StokerCon would have been when Sarah mid April. Yeah, yeah. StokerCon, and then a week after StokerCon was going to be my first ever official book tour around the UK. Um, with Christina Henry from the States. So obviously that didn't happen. That doesn't matter. But having a book launch during lockdown has been an um, uh, interesting experience, to, to say the least. Titan have been great supporting it as much as they can. But what can you do when people can't walk in a shop and buy your book? You know, It's out in the States officially now as a paperback and an ebook. Nobody in the States is really interested in buying books to read at the moment. I don't think they're, you know, with what's going on over there on top of covid um but also even from from day one I've, I've been saying to my wife you know i was hoping this would be a big book for me uh but it doesn't matter really it's in the scheme of things it doesn't really matter but people who like my stuff are still are still buying it and reading it it's not going to be a breakout novel and it's not going to sell tens of thousands and get me a massive deal but it'll but it's it's a good book and people like it and i'm you know, there's screen potential with it and stuff like that. So, um, and it, and totally in the scheme of things, it doesn't really matter. And it, I do think for Tim and I, it's a, like, I think if you were a debut and it was your first book coming out, I know a few people who've had their first, maybe not their first book, but their first mainstream book or whatever coming yeah, out. That's worse. Uh, you're worse. kind of excited and then your launch is cancelled and then, especially if they're not the big, I mean, the big, big books, yes, that's also sad, but people who've got like a, their first kind of mainstream deal. It might not be a great deal, but it's a mainstream deal. I think it, that must be quite hard. I mean, like with Dead to Her, I'm literally, I'm so zen. I've kind of written it off in so that, because also all the books have moved. So whereas we were pretty much sure we had the supermarkets, mm. you know, yeah, now yeah. we have no idea because everybody's moved to August, September, October. So what's wrong? We might not get the supermarkets. If you don't have the supermarkets, you've got nothing because yeah. you know, there's nothing. So, you know, I mean, I know Harper will do whatever they can, but obviously there's no tube campaigns. There's no yeah. all these things that you kind of normally have. So, but I think I think that my Zen, if I'm honest, oh yeah, and also we were supposed to have Behind Her Eyes was supposed to be out in August on Netflix, mm-hmm. which I was looking forward to, but I was also a little bit like, oh, we've got the book out, and that's so we'll have two books competing in a time where it's hard to sell books. Anyway, but then Netflix, um, because obviously because COVID, other shows have been late to deliver. And so obviously there's only so many people who can do the subtitling and all the stuff that comes after it's delivered. So we are now January 2021, which actually, aside from my own impatience, 
is a much better time, you know, because in August everyone's going to be out because lockdown's going to be over, hopefully. So I'm kind of zen in that, you know, even if Dead to Her, if Dead to Her sings without a trace, which I hope it doesn't, but it's not the book's fault, it's not HarperCollins' fault, it's the same for most, you know, some people will have a lucky hit in all this, but, you know, most people aren't hitting the numbers they would normally hit or get in the marketing or whatever. So I'm kind of like, at least in January, we'll have the tie-in of Behind Her Eyes. It's a cold month, people are staying in, and so... But it is, I mean, I, I kind of I kind of forget I've still got a book coming out this year because it is that, and I see people talk, and I, I don't even, my COVID reaction has been quite odd with work because I'm finding it really hard to engage with anything to do with books. Mm. Like I haven't started my book, which I really do have to start. But when I see people tweeting about books, which I'm going to have to do, obviously, because, you know, I've got to do what I can. Um, but I'm very kind of, I found some of the tweeting and stuff from authors a little bit like, Oh, poor me, my book's coming out, da, da, da. and you kind of think, yeah, I know, I do this for you, but some people are losing their parents here, and you know, like, it is just, a, you've been paid for it. Some people have got no work, some people have got... Yeah, that's oh, what I, I mean by putting it in I think that's something you tell your wife or your mum or, you know, your dog, because actually in, in the state of world problems, you've got, it might, no one's going to judge your book on this year. You know, publishers are not going to go, oh, that book, oh, what, you know, that book didn't do as well as the last book when it's, you know, editors are not reading as well because everybody's feeling it, aren't they? Mm-hmm. You know? I, I, I agree with most of what you say. I mean, it, it's, I, like I said, it's, um, you've got to put it in perspective and I, I've tried to be not too. Oh, no, you're allowed to feel those things. Of yeah, course. Yeah. No, <laughs> so I, Say I'm trying to be not too. Oh my God, woe is me on social media because it doesn't. Like I say, it doesn't matter. But you never do that. You never like me, you know, I'm a midlist writer. Publishers will look at the numbers of your last book. Eden won't sell what I would hope it would sell, and I'm trying I to sell. I do think book. they'll take 2020 into account. Well, I hope you so. know. I do. I don't know. All editors no. are going to be like, this is a this is a naughty step year. You yeah. know, like they're not just going to go, oh that shit. Yeah. That remains to be seen. That's one of the unquantifiable effects of, of COVID on what Sarah and I do. I think the entertainment industry, you, there's no easy way at the moment to tell what effect it's going to have on TV, yeah. movies. Or on TV, right? I mean, like, I think, I think the machine of it is so big and the finances yeah. of it are so big that I know the BBC published their guidelines and Hollywood published. I mean, the problems is that once they get the insurances covered somehow. Yeah, they can start filming again. I mean, they're starting filming already. Mm. started filming already um and i mean like i'm I'm adapting the death house and i was on the phone to the producer the other day and i was like do you know we're so lucky because most of our cast are kids insurance win (laughs) 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 and i also said this is going to be a great time for female actresses in their middle years because for once playing older will be good you know like if it's going to be difficult to ensure the over 70s if you've got a woman who can age up rather than trying to age down all the time, yeah, you might work. be able to get away with leaving the Botox at home. So. <laughs> the blank page. To some, it's terrifying, an obstacle to overcome. But we prefer to think of it as an opportunity, a blank canvas to be filled with all of the adventures and characters in our head. So how to overcome that fear? Well, we all know the best advice for a writer is, write. Seriously. Get words on the page and more will fall. But what about later, when you start trying to pull those threads of what you've written together? What about the character you wrote about way back at the start? Who was she again? What was she carrying? 
And where did she leave the MacGuffin that she now really needs in the third act? Think about all those top thrillers you like to read. Or that amazing drama you just watched. What did they all have in common? Structure and planning. As aspiring writers ourselves, we've tried many different methods to try and organise all the thoughts about the stories we want to tell. We've been there searching for a piece of scrap paper to note something down or making a quick note on our phone in between meetings. Or sometimes we'll make a note in whatever notebook we're carrying or a document on our laptop so we don't forget that great idea. Let's be honest, it can all be a bit messy and it's easy to lose track of everything. And that's when we realise it's not just a story that needs structure and planning, but the way we gather all of our thoughts about it as well. And so we made page one. Page one is more than just another notebook. It's a place to put down all your ideas for your latest project, divided into easy-to-use sections that will help you plan your story so that when that blank page comes calling, you're ready to answer. And then afterwards, once it's written, we realised you need to plan how to let people read it, so we included a section relating to submissions. Each one is designed for one project, whether you want to write a book, screenplay, a comic, or any other kind of story. We truly believe that when you use it, it will help you get to the main event, writing your story. So we hope this helps. We can't wait to read what you come up with. And remember, every story starts with page one. And in amongst it all as well, actually, the you know, all of the, the novels, like The Stand and things like that, where there is a pandemic or, or something that happened, or a zombie disease or something that happened, sees society collapsing and people being the most selfish people and smashing and you know and that isn't actually that hasn't been the the effect in fact people have been there to support each other and all that through it so you you do wonder if you know in the future if people write stories like that will that be taken into account or will they just revert back to the the sort of stereotype of every man for himself and that sort of I think it'll be taken into account, but but also most apocalyptic fish, fiction is feels more serious than this has been. Yeah. That, that's not to poo-poo what's mm-hmm. happened. And, you know, so many people have died and it's been awful. And I've got friends who've lost people and, and it's, um, you know, friends of mine have been really seriously ill with it and it's been terrible. But um, a good mate of mine, Chris Golden, said what well, this is, is uh, a trial run for a real bad pandemic, mm-hmm. some, a 10% mortality rate, which would probably be the end of society, to be honest. And it's so, you know, stuff like that, I, I think it will feed into fiction. And I hope um, I hope it'll feed into some more positive uh, fiction about, you know, um, pandemics and not apocalypse, but positive end of world fiction, because it has been fantastic to see how people step up and, kindness has been mooted as a strength not a weakness which i've always believed anyway you know so it, it, that has been a good side to it and everyone everyone i know has done good things for neighbors and family and friends so um it, that's been sort of revelatory really but but also i'm generally fairly positive and optimistic about humanity that's a difficult day to be saying that at the moment with with everything that's going on but um, if ever anything terrible happens, like a mass shooting or a massacre or a terrorist attack, I always make a point to say to my kids, um, just remember most people, the vast majority of people are really decent and nice and kind and caring. And that's really important to remember. And actually, the stories you flashes in front of you day after day, 24 hours a day, you know? The stories you remember from the bad things, like 9-11, I will never forget about 
the was it the man who stayed there was one man trapped or a woman trapped mm. and this other man could have got out but he just stayed stayed with them and said i'm not going to leave you and of course died mm. which is you know not <clears throat> certainly would not be me i don't think you know like those people are quite special <laughs> but you know i kind of look at the apocalypse and think yeah, I never thought it would involve so much fucking homemade sourdough bread. <laughs> and graphs, graphs and bread. And also really boring briefings. Oh, and yeah. now we've got, can we have the next slide? Yeah. Please? It's like, Jesus Christ, I want the guy from um, Independence Day, that president, to be doing our yeah. you know, rallying us all to stay home, save the NHS, protect lives. Or whatever, protect the NHS, save lives. Stay alert. I stay still, alert. I still don't know what yes. stay alert for. I know. Virus, I don't know what stay alert means. <laughs> yeah, you can see it coming down the road if you just keep your eyes peeled for it. God. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Insane. So, uh, what what have you, you've, you've mentioned it a bit, but what, what have you guys been working on uh, in the main at, at the moment? I am working on, so I've done episode one of uh, what hopefully will be the adaptation of my next book that I haven't started writing yet. <laughs> so that, I know, that yeah, I'm going to start writing from that episode. I'm going to start writing the book. And you're, so that, you're, you're currently trying to adapt something you've not written yet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Interesting. So I'm now going to, I'm now going to novelise my first episode and then hopefully there will be five more episodes and it will all be lovely and glorious <laughs> um cool. and there will be a book that's very similar to those things um and then i'm also working on a project with carnival who make downton abbey and that well it's really fun it's ya and it's dark and it's funny and it's supernatural and i'm really i'm doing a, a rewrite of it now making it a bit nastier um, and I'm really enjoying it because it's fun and it's kids like bang, it got four teenage girls are main characters. So it's kind of interesting. In, in, I've never done it in script where you've got that many central characters that are, and girls. They talk. We talk, as you can tell. We so trying to get all that with these girls is quite interesting. And then also I'm doing um, I'm adapting the Death House for one of the producers of Bohemian Rhapsody. So that's yeah. quite good because I can share, I'm changing it and it's, you know, we've got some different, it's quite interesting to revisit a story you wrote. Mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's got a good distance because I'm looking at it going, that can go, that can go, that can stay, that can go. You know, you're looking at it in a much more clinical way. So, yeah, and then, yeah, obviously I've got to start this. <laughs> My spidey senses tell me you're not looking forward to starting the new novel. Pardon? Well, I think I was actually going to say to you, I wanted to have a chat with you and Mark because... <laughs> It's really odd. I mean, I've never novelised something before. And obviously it may well go in two different ways, but it's trying to come to take the story from script to prose. My brain's a little bit... So I suspect the way you're going to novelise this isn't the way Mark and I will novelise a novel, uh, novelise a movie for Titan. Why? Because... How would you approach that? Cut and paste the script into a Word document and novelise every scene and use the same dialogue because that's would you what... put it past tense or would you? Oh, okay. So it's very. Is that what they want? They want it to. Usually, be usually it's fairly regimented that, that they want. Uh, they usually let you add stuff but not take stuff away. But because you've created this, I can do I, it. I think you, 
you'll do it differently. I mean, it's all in your head anyway. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. if, if I'm novelizing a script, it's not my story. So I'm looking at somebody else's creation and trying to trying to put my stamp on it, but your stamp's already on it. So I, How do you do viewpoints? How uh, do you decide when you change your viewpoint? Decide which 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 character is most important, which point of view is important. Yeah, even if it's first person and third person, you know, because I, I, yeah. I enjoy messing around with that. Yeah, that's my thing. So I think I'm going to go first person for most of it because it's obviously the script is first person, so it makes sense mentally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also the, the, the whole thing is about time. So I think first person, present is a good... Yeah. Um, no, present tense. I don't mean, sorry, I don't mean first person, but present tense. Yeah. Because scripts are present tense, so I'm going to just, you know, but... Yeah, I think I'm a bit nervous of approaching it, but I'm just going to have to bite the bullet because deadline. Yeah. <laughs> See, I've got no deadlines. Like I said, everything I'm working on is on spec. So I've got the novel, which is currently residing in seven notebooks, including, oh, including product. Uh, oh, yeah. ah, wonderful notebook there. You've got this. Uh, and I've got the new one that you sent me, which I'm going to break into today or tomorrow on a new idea I've got. So I've got a novel to transcribe edit and make good um and i've got i'm working on a new novella with chris golden on and off um one of my novels one with um, mark morris oh that's with our agent now so i've written a novel with mark morris which um is, is that uh, YA when you started when i was still teaching yes it was we, we started writing <laughs> 12 years ago and we finished <laughs> it and it's, it's with our agent now so uh, remaining to be seen what happens with that um I've also got a um, so one of my one of my books has been uh, uh, sold to a TV company in America that I can't announce unfortunately because it's not announced. But um, that's been adapted by a US writer. That same writer and I are working on another one of my projects to try and adapt for TV and get ready, get it into a sort of state to pitch it in the states. And another one of my novels, I'm also working on with another writer to try and develop. You love a collaboration. I love collaborating. Yeah, I really, really enjoy it. Um, and I think partly, and it, this sounds weird after writing so many novels, but partly it's a confidence thing. Partly, I, I, I find collaborating on TV stuff and screen stuff much more enjoyable as a writer because. You I, think, like, I always think you kind of naturally. I suppose. I suppose <laughs> at the spec stage, yes, because that's how it is anyway. Whereas yeah, I yeah, feel like yeah. I'm collaborating because I hand it in. And then we'll have a Zoom or a Teams, yeah, yeah. Microsoft Teams, and then it'll be like, oh, what do you think about it? So then you're kind of collaborating with the production mm-hmm. people. Oh, we'll get, anyway, you know, if two of us are writing it as opposed to one, we'll still get all that with, the, with the, any producers we have. Yeah, that's what I mean. So I, it's like a lead into that process, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Collaborating, so you may as well, you know, it's an easier mm. thing. I'm just not very good at it collaborating that, well actually that's one of the other questions that we got in from uh, Nikki said would you would you two because obviously you've known each other for a long time and you used to I think uh, Sarah you said when we when we last spoke that you used to go on sort of writing retreats with and Tim was oh, there and stuff would would you ever consider writing something together do you know of all the people I probably would on yeah. a script or something with Tim because Aside from the fact that we both have similar sort of story sensibilities, Tim is also the most driven, I think. Well, don't know about that. No, but you're very like, you never, and you know, you see some writers, they get a knock 
They cry yeah. about it on social media. It's all way with me, blah, 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 blah. Tim has had some really bad luck. I them. cry about them to Sarah. Yeah. <laughs> I do that thing Tarek did. I just freeze my screen. Pour <laughs> your heart out, Tim. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm just, I've got a little recording. I press a button. It goes, uh-huh, yeah, uh-huh, right, right, uh-huh. Right. <laughs> But he always just gets back up and gets straight mm. back on the horse. Because, you know, things have been out of your control. Like, what was that book? Freaking hell. Oh, Colebrook, yeah. yeah. I had a nasty editing experience on Colebrook. It all turned out great in the end, but um, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, there, were some, there were some ups and downs with getting that there out. Some ups and downs, yeah. Which were not to do with you and all to do with publisher. And a lot of people yeah. would have been really kind of body blowed. And it was a body blow, but yeah. he's very driven and also very business minded, which I, I yeah. am very business minded. So I, I could collaborate with him because he wouldn't try and drag me down the let's create something deep and meaningful and cry about it for hours sort of thing. Yeah. Which I believe you would do create something that's deep yeah. and meaningful. But and I, I don't get caught up with the being a writer thing. I take the work seriously. I don't take myself seriously. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think, You're probably more I'm, I'm, I'm on the squash now. The beer's gone. <laughs> I still get my teeth. It's, it's tough. I... Yeah, I don't know why we've never talked about collaborating. We should talk about something that would be really good. Um, and I'm, I'm also responsible. I must apologise to everyone viewing for uh, Sarah getting into publishing, actually. I know. <laughs> the first person she contacted in the horror genre to say, will you read my book? He was my first writer friend. <laughs> oh, yeah. that's all right. Because this is back in the day when the Horror Writers Association of America, um, this, is like, this is how old we are. It was pre- like, I think the internet, we had the internet, but it wasn't like this. Oh, you know? just, yeah. <laughs> you just, it was like everything was on forums, you know? It was all that yeah. kind of black background, little, like shock lines and Message stuff. boards and, yeah, shock yeah. lines. Message it. boards. Um, but they used to send out this printed, like, newsletter. Yeah. Um, and because like, we didn't have social media or anything. So I was living in Devon. I was quite unhappy. I was writing this book. And um, I'd read a couple of Tim's stuff because I used to get Best New Horror. And so I'd read quite a lot of his short fiction and white, I think I'd read. And and then you had The Nature of Balance coming out, didn't you? Yeah, that's it, yeah. And um, so I had written this book and I was like, oh, he's published by this by Leisure, which I wanted to be published by. And I was like, oh, I'm going to send him a couple of chapters of my book. But being a canny lassie who was a lot younger and a lot hotter then, <laughs> I put a little face there. Just a handwritten Just in case you want to know what it looked like, here's a picture. Terror. <laughs> 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 <Sarah>. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I wouldn't I have heard it if it wasn't a brilliant. Was that the hidden? The first one was, was it the hidden? hidden? Yeah. And then, and then I came to your. I was married at the time, wasn't I? I was married. Oh, my book launch <laughs> in Killian. We came to your book launch in where we drove from Devon to Wales, came to your book launch, That's it. Met, yeah. met your agent, who became my agent, yeah. and we had the worst agent in the world, and he's still <laughs> advertising for his creative writing courses. Is he stuff. still doing it? I found something online, and he was he's still doing some, like, he does creative writing lecturing or something. Right. You know, I used to be an agent for Sarah Pemberton, Levin, and Robert. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah, I think you told us about him. He sent Tim a letter yeah. just yeah. with Levin yeah. written on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> do you remember he... that, Tim? Yeah, I do, yeah. That was um, 
you know, for, for a time after we parted, he was very good at sending royalty checks. That um, Not that I get many royalty checks, but I there was... I didn't get any. <laughs> the new, but there was one novel I wrote, Dusk, uh, years ago in the States, and I, I still haven't had a royalty check for a while, but he was very good at passing them on. But, you know, he, he'd write Levin address and a second-class okay. stamp. Because we all just left him. <laughs> totally, totally fair enough. But, you know, to be fair to him, he did he did pass these things on. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, well, so we yeah, can exclusively it. announce then that you guys yeah. are going to do your first book together and launch it. That's it, it might be a film. That story. It might but, be I mean, opera. we look forward to the credit on the, on the, on yeah. the opening credits. Yeah, yeah. Special thanks to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Although with Tim's collaborations, it would take about five years because he's so booked up. We have a couple of things going on, but I always like to have... Uh, but like you, you're working on three or four, five things. I'm working on three, four, five things. Well, we had Tar- this was actually Tarek's idea. He he came up with a quite a good uh, uh, little little game for the for the end of this. So Tarek, do you want to tell them what it is? Yeah. So uh, well, what we're going to do is we often end with a kind of kind of either or question, but we thought it might, might be quite fun for you guys to try and answer a question about each other. So what we're going to do is we're going to reach you a quote. From the front of a book, one of either of your books, there's a quote about the book or about the writing, and you have to try and work out who it's have about. Have you got some bad one-star reviews in there? No, no, no. They're all they're all wonderful quotes. Yeah, that would have been even better, actually. Yeah, no, <laughs> the worst book I've ever read. So, uh, so they're they're all very nice quotes, and all you have to do is work out who the quote is about. So, okay, I go for the first one. Uh, the first one is. Oh, and you get a bonus point if you can say what the book is, what book it was on. <laughs> so the first one, uh, you are a, sorry, uh, you are in the hands of a master. Tim, oh. it's got to be about Tim. That's Josh Malaman talking about Eden. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, yeah. I, I mean, I'm not going to forget Malaman saying that, am I? Bless him. I did. It was interesting because obviously I know when the silence came out, there was a whole hoorah about the silence and Bird Box, and I thought for anyone listening, the silence was their first. And oh no, silence, quiet place. It was silence and quiet place. No, it's quiet place. Yeah. On that case, my point is completely ruined. What I was going to say. We'll cut that out, Tarek. It's fine. I'll do one. Lean and mean, dark and disturbing. I think that's one of Sarah's. Is that one of mine? It is. Is it behind her eyes? Uh, actually, that's I didn't write down what the book that was, so. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say yes. You've done well in this round, Tarek. Well done. <laughs> I'm really, I'm really, uh, it's really good. Um, okay, the next one. Blank is about to become your new obsession. Oh, that's me, Harlan Copen, Behind the Rise. Behind the Rise, I know that one, yeah. You know, waiting for no, older not books. just Behind the Rise, it's in front of all of my books. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, a mesmerising blend of horror, fantasy and crime. That's obviously behind their eyes. Somebody, I don't know who did that. Mayhem? No. Mayhem? Mayhem? No, it, it's, it's uh, for the age. So oh, it's great. Oh. For you. <laughs> I was 
Who was it from, Tarek? Again, you've not written down who said listen, that. Listen, listen, stop asking me these difficult questions when we're live on air, Marco. I don't know. I'm, I don't know who that is. Uh, maybe that maybe that's it was by I'm gonna say Stephen King. I'm pretty sure that was I'm Stephen King. Oh, <laughs> good good quote, I like that. Yeah. Book wasn't right, and then uh, the last the last one we always as Tarek said, do the either or thing at the end of the podcast. But again, what we're gonna do is we're going to do one each, but you have to say what you think the other person would say, what the other person picked. So Sarah, if I can start with you, what do you think Tim would pick between a real book or an e-book? Real book. Well, look, look behind me, guys. <laughs> <laughs> ah, <no. laughs> it's, not, it's not wallpaper. <laughs> OK, Tim, a question for you. Do you think Sarah would prefer a fancy restaurant or a takeaway? Uh, fancy restaurant. Probably. <laughs> yeah, to be fair, it's all food. I'm literally thinking, could I have a takeaway from a fancy restaurant? <laughs> <laughs> oh, These days, yeah. yeah, yeah. These days, takeaway all the way. All days, fancy days, restaurant. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, Sarah. Uh, TV or cinema? For Tim. <clears throat> For Tim. I'm not even sure I know that one. <laughs> I think Tim would like to think it was cinema, but it's actually TV. Yeah, I think <laughs> it is. I still there was a discussion recently on Facebook about. Yeah, I was trying to think if you'd commented on it. I did. I love going to the cinema with my family, and um, because one of our local cinemas, View in Cumbrum, is just well, Christ, you know, we haven't been for a while, obviously. Um, but before lockdown, they refurbished themselves, so every seat oh, was reclined, yeah. and it was six quid a ticket. So a family night out, family night out was like thirty-five quid with a, a drink and a yeah. Each fantastic night out, but yeah, I do like because TV you can have a bottle of wine, and we're we're binging Ozark at the moment, which is just amazing. Oh, I, I love that. Oh, Wait, that you know, hang, on, hang on, shut up. No, nobody say no any spoilers. No spoilers. <laughs> how how far are you through it? We're tonight. We're watching last episode of season two. Ooh, the, the best. The last yet. episode, nice. Yeah, season three is really good. Yeah, I've heard. Oh, season three yeah. is amazing. Yeah, very good. Amazing. Yeah. It's fantastic. Just it takes you away from everything. It's oh, superb. Great. Uh, and okay, last one then, Tim. This is for what do you think Sarah would choose, horror or fantasy? Horror. Yeah, I don't read fantasy. <laughs> Was the easy one. You guys done very well. Scored very highly. I mean, I used to read a lot of fantasy, but I haven't really as an adult. Occasionally, I do, but not horror. Definitely. Horror. I've read. I, I've written more fantasy than I've read. Probably. Mm. Be not a great admission. Sarah, those questions. Whew. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we were easy. They were far too easy. Next time, we have to go a lot harder. I think. Okay. I we had one. We had one more question. We had one more question from someone. Uh, which was an odd one, but I'll, I'll put it to you to see what you... Who would win in a fight, Harry Potter or Matilda? <laughs> <laughs> or Matilda, without a doubt, I think. I've never seen Matilda, so I don't know. You've never seen... What? Well, oh, you must have read the book, though, surely. You've never read the book or seen the film Matilda? I might have done when and I was... And you just call talking. yourself an author? That was a long time ago. <laughs> Uh, and I've only read two Harry Potter books. 
<laughs> These are revelations coming out. Well, to be fair, the Harry, when the Harry Potter books came out, I had started writing my own YA trilogy, which was Double Edged Sword, and so I didn't, I didn't want to be influenced. Mm. And I reread a book recently and realised where all my influences for that book came from. So. <laughs> I might have just read Harry Potter it might have been more successful <laughs> so I, I've not read any Harry Potter that's my admission for the... any Harry Potter mm. interesting mm. yeah so we're older than Harry. you Eric. we're older than you <laughs> no, I when you were in school no what's going on <laughs> gosh Ooh. what was I reading when I was in school James Herbert basically yeah me too yeah well, actually, that was there was one more question I had for you, which was if you if you had to recommend one horror book because you know you both love your horror uh, to someone, what would the book that you would pick be? Uh, so I've I've just read and blurred Paul Tremblay's new book, Survivor Song, uh, which is I love his stuff and I think it's his best novel yet. It's just brilliant. It's it's I've got that. I'm looking at it right now. It's on one of my tables. It's, I think you'd love it. Actually, it's quite a daring book. For yeah, I, I think I'd love, I'd love you to read it and hear what you what you all think of it. Actually, I think it's out in July. Actually, just a terrific book. He's a lovely guy. You know, he's deserving all the success, and th- this one's going to notch him up another few rungs on the ladder. I think amazing book. Let's take that open. Horror for some. Well, I would say, I, I mean, two, really. Alma Katz's The Deep, I really enjoyed. and But Michelle Paver, that first one about the... Um, oh, any Michelle Paver, really. But the first... Hang on, hang on. Old lady brain. Old <laughs> lady brain, I'm going in. Read the deep I've read The Hunger, Alma's The Hunger, which is brilliant, but I, I need to read The Deep. Uh, yeah, The Deep, I, I found way better. Right. Um, I mean, I like The Hunger, but I, yeah. I mean, I love The Hunger, but I really liked um, The Deep. I thought, but I love, I love anything Titanic-y. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's Michelle Paver. I don't, I want Michelle Paver horror, because she's actually a children's writer. Uh, horror. Sorry. So, that's not a massive genre, is it? Anything Titanic? Dark Matter. Dark Matter. <laughs> oh, dark Matter. I've heard that. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know what? It's the only book I've read as an adult that has scared me. Yeah, right. proper, and it's not. It's it's um, it's that awful creeping dread. It's filled with it. It's mm. brilliant. It's really really brilliant. Thin air is almost as good, but dark matter is really good. Right, really really good. Brilliant. Two excellent. Oh, <laughs> <of> <laughs> yeah, that's good. <laughs> Which I think with horror works better. I yeah. like that kind of shorter length. Totally. Yeah, it's hard to keep that kind of suspense going for too long it burns you out a little bit and you start to tune yeah. out of it i think that's right yeah yeah i mean i i if i could make a living writing novellas i would because i love writing them and yeah. some of the novellas i've written have, have got me you know tend to be more successful for me uh critically but yeah. they just don't pay much unless you yeah. get into a movie which happens but not yeah. very often you know um i am toying with the idea of writing some more novellas you do really well your novellas i think i like your novellas best yeah a lot of people say that Mm. yeah i think it's your natural form yeah (laughs) but it is for horror i think a lot it's like you it's lean and mean lean and mean i'm not lean and mean at the moment (laughs) 
I haven't actually put on any weight during lockdown. I've just redistributed, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't been swimming for like 10 weeks and I'm so missing it. And I, you know, I, uh, so some muscles gone from my shoulders and re reimagined myself. Waste it. Yeah. Cool. Well, thanks so much for, for taking the time to do that. Really enjoyed that chat. Being it good. looks like Tarek's frozen again. Yeah, doesn't he? And that's a really funny freeze. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He's gurning. <laughs> yeah, yeah.